Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. It was the day before Thanksgiving, and the forecasters were predicting heavy rain on Thanksgiving when we were expecting a house full of family at our home in Westfield. We'd had some water stains in the living room, apparently from gutters that backed up. And with heavy rain coming, I didn't want those gutters backing up again with company coming. So on November 21st, 2011, I was standing on the very top of the ladder while on blood thinners cleaning our gutters. And I remember wondering at one moment if the gutter would hold me. And that's the last thing I remember. I regained consciousness about three hours later in the trauma unit at Morristown Medical Center. I was surrounded by doctors, and I I saw Janet there. And I asked her, is this real? She said, yes, this is real. You fell off the ladder. I suffered a traumatic brain injury after hitting my head on the foundation of the house bleeding on the brain. For the next five weeks, I was in the hospital and in rehab at the JFK Medical Center, learning how to walk again, learning how to talk again, how to think again. I went into the hospital the day before Thanksgiving. I got out of the hospital on New Year's Eve. I am so thankful to the Lord and to Jan for getting me through it. I was in bad shape, yet I was thankful. Yet I was grateful to the doctors and nurses. In bad shape, yet I thanked God every day that I had another day. That word, yet, it's a powerful word. Short, but powerful. I I love this word, yet. I don't mean, are we there yet? I can still hear my own kid voice asking my parents that from the back seat of the car. No, I I mean, I'm going through a lot, yet I am thankful. That one word says so much in one syllable. This is one of the ways that Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, describes the word yet. Nevertheless, however, I might add the word anyhow to that. I'm thankful to God anyhow. And that's what I want to look at tonight, starting with the word yet. Psalm 40, verse 17 
says. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Psalm 119. We're going to look at much of that psalm tonight. Psalm 119 says, starting with verse 49, Remember the word to your servant, upon which you have caused me to hope. It's another one of my favorite words, hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision. I'm, I'm being ridiculed, mocked, yet I do not turn aside from your law. Verse 81. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, When will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet... I do not forget your statutes. A wineskin in smoke. Under the severe pressures of trial and affliction, some may shrink and waste away and get discolored like a wineskin hung in the smoke of a chimney, dried out, worn out. But still the psalmist remembers God's statutes and holds tightly to his faith in God. About these verses, Charles Spurgeon writes, First, God's people have their trials. They get put in the smoke. Secondly, he says, God's people feel their trials. They become like a bottle in the smoke. Thirdly, God's people do not forget God's statutes in their trials. I am become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet do I not forget your statutes. A wineskin that's discolored, shriveled, fragile, brittle, can crack under pressure. Can you relate to that? Do you ever feel like a wineskin in the smoke? This reminds me of my own life. 1987, my union was out on strike for 18 weeks. No income, and the bills didn't stop. 18 weeks. During that time, people at our church then knew we were struggling. They helped pay our mortgage. One day, a station wagon full of food showed up in our driveway even food for the dog. I was going stir-crazy being out of work that long, and I took a job in a local hardware store just to maybe learn something I could use later in life. And one of the owners told me something that I will never forget. She told me, you can't make fine china without first putting it through the fire. Sometimes it cracks, but if, it's, if it gets through the fire, it's something of real value. You know, there's some degree of truth to that, and the refiner's fire does purify. 
But in God's eyes, each of us is already of real value. Amen? That's why. In good times and in bad times, yet I will praise him. For those of you who may not know, I worked for 40 years in broadcast news, most of it with NBC News, and most of that time as news producer of the Today Show. I'm going to tell a few NBC stories tonight. About 20 years ago, our pastor at that time near Westfield was himself like a wineskin in the smoke. He was going through the worst of times, the darkest of times. And I knew that a certain guest was going to be on the Today Show the next day. I called up the pastor and said, I want you to come into work with me tonight, overnight. And I'm not going to tell you why. I'll pick you up at midnight. And he agreed. We drove into Manhattan, getting there at 1 a.m., my usual start time back then. And I showed him around the studio. Then he and I went into the newsroom where I got to work. Hours later, I snuck away before 7 a.m. to talk with one of our guests that day, someone I'd met before. And I told him about our pastor. After that guest was on the air, I brought our pastor up to one of the dressing rooms to meet that guest. Go ahead, put up graphic number one. Billy Graham. And for half an hour, in that dressing room, behind closed doors, one-on-one, -on -one, Billy Graham talked with our pastor, encouraged him, and prayed with him. Billy Graham was genuine, compassionate, the real deal. And I knew then and there that God had placed me in that place for such a time as this. Looking again at Psalm 119, it says, starting in verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Do you ever need reviving? I do. Accept, I pray, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Later, starting with verse 137, Psalm 19 says, 119 says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies, which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness 
is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. Still later, Psalm 119, starting with verse 153. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. It's not clear who wrote Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Some think maybe David wrote it. Some think it was somebody else. Whoever wrote it went through hard times with affliction, trouble, anguish, persecution. Warren Wiersbe says, whoever the author was, he is a good example for us to follow. For he had an intense hunger for holiness and a passionate desire to understand God's word in a deeper way. Psalm 119 repeatedly talks about God's word. It uses about 10 phrases to describe the word of God. The law of the Lord, his testimonies, his ways, his precepts, his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his word, his promise, his law, his ordinances. And the words that the psalmist uses to describe God's word, a lamp, a light, his precepts are righteous, wonderful to be obeyed. I rejoice in following your statutes. I meditate on your precepts and delight in them. They are trustworthy, thoroughly tested, true, everlasting. His word strengthens me. His laws are good. In his laws I find comfort. I will not forget your law. Your law is more precious than silver or gold. In your word I have hope. Your word is eternal. I love your law. Your words are sweeter than honey. I stand in awe of your laws. I rejoice in your promise. Your statutes are the joy of my heart. Psalm 119 ends with, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. For I do not forget your commandments. Reminds me of Jesus talking about the lost sheep and how the shepherd left the 99 to find the one that was lost. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Psalm 34, 1 
says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Praise continually at all times. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So pray without ceasing. And praise continually. Yeah, but you, you might be thinking, I'm in a really tough spot right now. It's hard for me to praise anybody with what I'm going through. Well, I'll give you three reasons you can praise God for, and there are so many more. Number one, He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you, to pay the price for your sins and mine. Number two, mercy. God is merciful. Number three, grace. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace is a gift. By grace you have been saved. You know the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Let me say that again. Mercy Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. God gives and he forgives. John 10.10 says that Jesus came so that those who follow him may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is so much to praise God for. I'm calling tonight's message a Bible in the newsroom. Here's why. And it's an NBC story. One of my favorites. It was 1996 and heavyweight boxer Evander Holyfield had just beaten Mike Tyson. Holyfield took out a full-page ad in the New York Times thanking God in that ad. Matt Lauer came into the newsroom between on-air segments, and he sat down, he opened up the Times, and he saw the ad. I was in the newsroom with my coworker Andy, who is also a believer, great guy. Matt was looking at Evander Holyfield's full-page ad and what was written down at the bottom of it. And he said, Andy, you know the Bible. What's Philippians 4.13? And right away I said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Matt said, what? I said, Matt, that's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
And about that same time, Andy is opening up his storage locker. He's pulling out his Bible. Yes, we had a Bible in the newsroom. I just am sorry that it wasn't mine. And Andy looks up Philippians 4.13 and said, Matt, you know what? Jim's right. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Matt's looking at Evander Holyfield. He's thanking God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he said, yeah, that works. Yeah, you betcha, Matt. You bet it does. Looking again at Psalm 119. It starts off with, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. As you saw, Psalm 119 begins with, Blessed are those who walk according to his word. Are you walking according to his word? Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. I love that, with the whole heart. Not just a piece of it, but the whole thing. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. You have commanded us to keep your precepts. Do you seek the Lord with your whole heart? Do I? How well do we know God's precepts, his statutes, and how well do we obey them? Jesus summed it all up when he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Continuing in Psalm 119, verses 10 to 16, with my whole heart, there it is again, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. A few weeks ago, Pastor Vinny was teaching on Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison. The inner inner, deep-down prison. And they had their feet fastened to the stocks. What did they do? They prayed and sang hymns. They were in prison, yet they sang and prayed. Here's another NBC story. 
I felt that God put me at NBC for a reason. If nothing else, to be a light. And I still feel that way. I got to work with some great people and I got to meet a lot of big names. But the biggest names that made the most impact on me were the ones who talked about their faith. Go ahead, put up graphic number two, please. Terry Anderson was one of them. Terry was the Middle East Bureau Chief for the Associated Press. In March of 1985, he was taken hostage in Beirut and was held hostage by Hezbollah for almost seven years. Graphic number three, please. He was finally freed in December of 1991. Terry was at the Today Show a few months after that, being interviewed by Bryant Gumbel, and I was in the studio. Terry talked about his years in captivity and what got him through all that. It was his Bible. His guards at one point asked him, is there anything that you want? First thing he said, I want a Bible. And he read it over and over and over again. And he responded to his ordeal in the interview with Bryant with grace. I was so moved by him and by what he said that I wrote him a letter. Never done this with another Today Show guest. And he wrote back. I wrote to him, I just wanted to write to say thank you for the hope you have helped to put back in my life through your eloquence, through your testimony. I went on to say, I too am a Christian. And I too had become cynical as a journalist and had put up walls by your responding to your ordeal as you have with such grace you have helped me greatly. I do have one question for you. From the Bible that you read and reread in Lebanon, is there one particular verse that especially spoke to you and helped you get through it all? If so, I'd love to know which one. And he wrote back. He thanked me for the letter. He feels uncomfortable with, with such praise. And, but Terry Anderson, held hostage almost seven years in prison, wrote, as to the Bible, of course there are a lot of individual verses that I treasure. How could anything speak more clearly to a man in prison than Paul's letter to the Philippians? And there were others, parts of Job, the beautiful poetry of Isaiah, and much else. But I came to believe that the Bible is all of a piece. Its message runs throughout and needs to be taken and understood that way. We share a profession in which it is sometimes very difficult to maintain a connection between our faith and our daily life. I'm enclosing a poem that I wrote in captivity. 
Some of my journalist friends have said it speaks strongly to them, and I hope it does to you also. I won't read the whole thing, but it's called High Wire. It's about a high wire acrobat on a tightrope, no net. And part of the poem says, you cannot go on bathing in the world's violence unscathed. Touch so many people's pain and grief and not be burned. Tell me you could look into a hundred children's eyes, dark, huge with uncomprehending pain and hunger, and purge yourself of all you feel in a thousand words or less. Most of us just try to keep our balance, like the man up on the wire, eyes fixed straight ahead, never daring to look down. This is an inside look at the heart of a journalist. Yeah, some of them, some of them do have hearts. Terry wrote a book about his years a, as a captive. It's called Den of Lions, compelling book. In it, he has a great line about faith. Go ahead, put up graphic four, please. Faith's what you find when you're alone and find you're not. Faith's what you find when you're alone and find you're not. I love that. You know, you've heard it said, where there's a will, there's a way. Here's maybe a better way to say it. When you're in God's will, he'll make a way. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God made a way for Terry Anderson, a way for him to bear it, a way out. He'll make a way for you too. Psalm 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly but the proud he knows from afar. In Proverbs 13, verse 7. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. And Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So here's a question. Do you know the Lord yet? Back in 2011, when I fell off the ladder, it took a long time for me to recover. Even months later, I was in cognitive rehab at the Center for Head Injuries, and that was hard. 
But as J Janet used to tell her piano students when they struggled with a hard piece, you can do hard things. I guess I was making progress there, but it was slow and frustrating. Then Danielle, a very smart speech therapist, asked me, you're in the news business, right? I said, yeah. She pulled out a piece of paper and said, this is a wire story from the Associated Press. It's full of mistakes. Find them. Bingo. That was, that was exactly what I needed. The light bulb went on and I found every mistake in the copy. I even found some she didn't even know were there. And that got me to thinking. Among so many other things, the Lord is my editor. Crosses things out that aren't right. Looks for the mistakes and helps me. And when I listen and trust him, he re rewrites my whole story when necessary. That speech therapist knew exactly how to reach me, where I used to be and, and where I was and how I, what I needed to do to get back to that other moment. She was the spark. And that reminds me of Paul, who stood in Athens, noticed all the many shrines and objects of worship, and even found an altar with the inscription, To the Unknown God. So he met them where they were at. He knew exactly how to reach the people of Athens and told them about the one they were worshiping without knowing. And they listened. Some said they wanted to hear more. It's like for anybody in public speaking, even anybody on TV, you have to know your audience, then find a way to reach them. Another NBC story. Graphic five, please. Correspondent David Bloom was a friend of mine. Truly a great guy. David would call me in the Today Show newsroom every morning, whether he was at the White House or whether he was in Iraq. And every time he'd say, hey buddy, Hey, buddy, it's David. Hey, buddy. Then he'd tell me about the news story that he wanted to tell on the air that day. David was in Iraq, traveling to the front lines and reporting live using a truck known as the Bloom Mobile. It was in April of 2003, while he was covering the war, that a blood clot in his leg traveled to his lungs and caused a fatal pulmonary embolism. He was 39 years old. Graphic number six, please. I learned something about David after he died. At a Bible study months before the war, David had committed his life to Christ. And at his funeral, a friend from that Bible study read an email that David has sent to his wife, Melanie, just 
hours, literally hours before he died. I still carry a copy of that email in my Bible. He wrote to Melanie, it's 10 a.m. here, Saturday morning. He went on to say, you can't begin to fathom, cannot begin to even glimpse the enormity of the changes I have and am continuing to undergo. God takes you to the depths of your being until you are at rock bottom. Then if you turn to him with utter faith and resolve in your heart and mind to walk only with him and toward him, he picks you up by your bootstraps and leads you home. I hope and pray that all my guys get out of this in one piece. But I tell you, Mel, I am at peace. Deeply saddened by the glimpses of death and destruction I have seen, but at peace with my God and with you. I know only that my whole way of looking at life has turned upside down. Here I am supposedly at the peak of professional success, and I could frankly care less. Yes, I am proud of the job we've all been doing, but in the scheme of things, it matters little compared to my relationship with you and the girls and Jesus. One of my biggest regrets about my years working with David Bloom, I never knew about his journey to a very deep faith. It was business. Always business. Oh, the talks that we could have had. I, I could have prayed with him even when he was in Iraq. David was a friend, yet I didn't know he was a believer. He was in a war zone, yet he praised God. One final NBC story. Doug. Doug was in the young adult Sunday school class that I taught. 21 years old. He was driving to class at Rutgers when his car stalled just on the other side of a hilly spot in the road. Within seconds, a tow truck crashed into him and Doug's car burst into flames with Doug inside. Badly Burns, he barely survived. Multiple skin grafts. Too many surgeries to count. Months in the hospital. Graphic number seven, please. During that time, former New York Jets defensive end Dennis Byrd was on the Today Show. He had been paralyzed in 1992 when he collided with another player in a game. He vowed to walk again with God's help. Dennis was a devout Christian. Graphic number eight, please. And a year later, he walked out onto the field at the Meadowlands. He walked out. 
He wrote an inspirational book called Rise and Walk. Dennis Byrd was on the show one day giving thanks to the Lord for walking with him. And I told him about my friend Doug. And I asked him what verse in the Bible meant the most to him and helped him the most during his struggle to walk. Instantly, he said, Romans 8.18, which says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Some translations say the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. Suffering is hard. Nobody likes it. Janet tells me about something her dad had when she was a young girl. A rock polisher that tumbled and turned and turned rough stones into smooth, shiny treasures. She remembers it. It was very loud, but it made a beautiful product. Enough hard knocks over time can begin to smooth out our rough edges if we let them and if we let God. For those who have given their heart to Christ, the transformation in our lives starts the moment we say yes to Jesus. And one day, when we see him face to face, all of our rough spots, all of our impurities will be gone. We'll see Jesus in his radiant glory and we will be filled to overflowing with him. I visited Doug often in the hospital and one day brought him a poster to hang on the wall, a message for Doug from Dennis Bird, Romans 8.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 to 18, Paul also puts it this way. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We all go through hardships, yeah? We all go through trials. We all go through suffering. Jesus told us in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Tribulation. Yet, we praise the Lord. Jesus knew suffering of the worst kind. And he went through it for us. If there is a purpose in our suffering, maybe it's this. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort 
with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We love because he first loved us. We comfort others because he first comforted us. I want to leave you with a final thought tonight. I lost both of my parents 18 years ago within five months of each other. They were in their late 80s and went through all kinds of health problems in their later years. They lived in a retirement community in Florida and lost people they loved almost every day. They had something posted on their refrigerator that was a good daily reminder. You, you can tell a lot about a person by what's on their refrigerator door. What my mom and dad had on their refrigerator was this, graphic number nine, please. Praise the Lord anyhow. Praise the Lord anyhow. No matter what you're going through, praise the Lord anyhow. Whether your circumstances are hard, whether your health is bad, whether you're a hostage in Lebanon, whether you're in a war zone in Iraq, whether you've been in a horrific car accident, whether you've been paralyzed, yet you can praise the Lord. Pray without ceasing and praise continually. God is good, isn't he? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you made us. You know us. You know our faults and you love us anyhow. Lord, you know everything that we're going through. Every burden, every hurt, every trial. Father, I pray for everyone here tonight and for those watching at home. I pray for those who don't know you yet. And Father, there may be some tonight who want to put their trust in you for the first time. It's so easy, yet it's the most important decision you'll ever make. By just praying this from the heart. The exact words don't matter, but the heart does. Just pray, dear Jesus, I know that I've done things that let you down things that were wrong. Please forgive me. I want to start fresh with you right here, right now. I believe that you died on the cross for me to pay the price for my sins and that you rose again. Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I want to follow you and walk with you in this life and in all eternity. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, praise God. And please let me or one of our pastors know or contact the church. There's a number on the screen. We'll get you a Bible, get you started on your walk with the Lord. Amen. been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.